So, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about chapters 1 through 10. Chapter 1 takes place six months prior to the prologue. Ronnie and her brother are being driven to North Carolina to spend the summer with her father. Ronnie, who is accustomed to living in New York, dreads having to spend the summer in North Carolina and is going to make her best to make the drive miserable for her, for both her mother and her 10-year-old brother. Ronnie mentions the incident and reveals that she's annoyed about her lack of independence. Ronnie has been ignoring her father since he left the family three years ago, refusing to talk to him on the phone or to be able when he wants visits New York. She has recently had trouble in school and regularly violates her curfew. She was also involved in an incident, although Ronnie refuses to discuss the incident with her mother. Jonna reveals in true 10-year-old fashion that Ronnie was arrested, which also mentions her father's piano playing, Joel Bard and her her own piano playing, which she abandoned after her father moved out. Early in the chapter, Ronnie is described as feeling like a prisoner. The feeling of being trapped of helplessness is a motive that is developed throughout the last song. Many characters experience these feelings, and they choose different ways and means to address them. And or in what way potentially be seen as an editing mistake. Ronnie is annoyed that her mother conceived three months earlier and that she should have. However, if Ronnie's mother had actually conceived three months later, Ronnie would have been even younger. This may actually be an important character as a 17-year-old, Ronnie thinks she has all has things all figured out. No one can talk to her, explain things to her, or retalonize with her. She's convinced that she is right, even though she is in fact incorrect. This attitude is not unusual for adolescent. The chapter also provides a realistic portrayal of personal relationships. Uh, specifically Ronnie's relationship with her mother, her brother, and, and her father. Ronnie's voice is of a dis- disgruntled teenager, one who is trying to find her place in the world, one who is without sense of purpose and direction, yet is unwilling to accept guidance from anyone, particularly from her parents. The image and tone at the end of the chapter set up an important contrast for Ronnie's development. Her sagging figure in front seat suggests that she wants nothing to do with her mother, her brother, or her father. She seems to value in family, or seem, sorry, she seems no value in family. Everything is depressing to her. The image of Ronnie at her starting point, the last song chronicles her growth. Summer. Okay, so now we're going to be doing chapter two. So this chapter shifts the perspective of Steve, Ronnie's father. As it begins, he waits for his children's arrival while playing the piano. 
There is not much in the house where Steve now lives. Steve's life has changed a lot since his father died. He quit his job, divorced his wife, and toured the country attempting to earn a professional or to living as a professional music musician. The former owner of the house, an artist, had left to the church when he died. And Steve is living there rent-free until the church is ready to sell it. While he is waiting, Steve reflects on his life, feeling like an observer rather than a participant. Thinking back on his decisions, he does not fix the blame for anyone but himself. He also desires a relationship with God, though he is unsure whether God still desires a relationship with him. The town Steve lives in now is actually the one he grew up in. Steve passes the time until the time for his children arrive, reflecting on the past and thinking about his hopes for the summer. When they do arrive, Jonah is excited to see his father, but Ronnie is less than thrilled. Kim reveals a number of things to her ex-husband, including her independent or impending marriage to Brian. Kim also says, although Ronnie ignores her curfew and refuses to speak to her mother, she sometimes helps her brother with his math when he struggles. Ronnie was arrested for shoplifting recently, an arrest that Ronnie is unwarned. Although she has shoplifted in the past, Although Steve expresses unwavering com- confidence in his daughter's innocence, Kim is not certain. Kim leaves to return to New York, even though neither she or Steve knows exactly where Ronnie is. And then Jonah and Steve go off to explore the workshop. Steve tells Jonah about the stained glass window that he is building for their church to replace the one that was destroyed in the fire. Steve and his son re connect as Jonah reveals the details about his life with Brian, his mother, and his sister. At this time, Jonah's life, everything is awesome. Playing the piano is a part of Steve's identity, and identity he is willing not to give up for his daughter, or willing to give up for his daughter, sorry. This is the beginning of the development of the piano as a symbol for Steve, for Ronnie, and for their complex relationship. The pictures on Steve's piano are significant because they represent what truly is important to him, his family, even though he hasn't been around recently. Steve's life has not turned out the way he planned. The empty house is a symbolic of the emptiness that Steve feels. Out of the place and alone the pain and stomachs or steve's stomach foreshadows his illness and indicates the nervousness of it he is feeling another or seemingly throwaway line the readers learn it learn that steve knows the oncoming fall his breath would come out in little puffs on the first read, the information is practically meaningless. However, looking back, readers like Ronnie realize the significance in these signs. What happens in Steve's marriage really was is revealed, but not why it happened. This is important for the plot development as well as the development of Steve's character. 
Statistically, information is being withheld from the reader in the same manner in which it is being withheld for Ronnie or from Ronnie. Steve's introspection is what, or is that of a man who is facing his own mortality and realizes that the thing he thought was most important in his life, his music, was not. Now he knows the most important thing in the relationship was with his children, a relationship he wants to repair before he dies. Steve's description of his daughter exists to paint a picture for the reader as well as himself. Ronnie's first words to her father reveal that she believes he defines their relationship solemnly through the piano. The incident with the shoplifting is a case of the boy who carried or cried wolf. Her mother clearly does not believe her, yet her father does. Steve is quite understanding about Ronnie's words and actions. It could be because he is essentially an outsider, but it could also be because of his unconditional love for his daughter. This chapter is important for the development of Jonas, or Jonas, Steve and Ronnie's characters. Each one of them is an individual with somewhat somewhat vested interest in in the others. Their characters are developed, but not only through their own words and actions, but through what other characters say about them. So the next question is going to be question three, I believe. Okay, yeah, so question three summary. Ronnie is now the Beach Seafood Festival. Although she is descendant with the festival, the pyre is its entirety. She is intrigued by the abandoned puppies at the SPCA booth. While talking with the woman at the booth, Ronnie hears the roar of crowd watching the beach volleyball tournament. As Ronnie makes her way towards the tournament, she admires the the physiques of the tanned athletes. She silently roots for the team she considered the underdogs, but realizing that the players the fans know each other, the game becomes less interesting to her. As she turns to leave, one of the players bumps into her, causing her to spill her soda over her face and shirt. The shirt that Ronnie's wearing was from the concert that she went to without her mother's permission, with a person her mother didn't approve of. But Ronnie is only is only partially rebellious. She does some things that are out of the line, but not others. Just as Ronnie was cleaning up her shirt, she accidentally bumps into someone at the re- and the rest of her soda immediately soaks the rest of her shirt. The person she meets is Blaze. Ronnie and Blaze share their given names, Veronica and Galdriel, respectfully, and seem to hit it off. Blaze suggests that Ronnie purchases a Finding Nemo shirt. Ronnie sees three guys approaching and she turns to ask Blaze about them. She realizes Jonah is is by her side. He offers to remain quiet regarding her whereabouts for money. Ronnie um, 
hesitates to pay him. She hands she ends up purchasing a Nemo shirt in order to sneak past her father. Blaze and Ronnie sit together and talk about their lives and how out of place they feel in Wrightsville. Blaze's parents are divorced, and she does not like living with either of them. Blaze points out the boardwalk performance featuring three thug guys. The leader of the three is Marcus. He tosses fireballs towards Ronnie, who ducks out of the way. A police officer rushes towards it, threatening to bring the group up to the station the next time he catches them. They leave after only a brief hesita- hesitation. Ronnie chases after them. So in this chapter, readers can see another side of Ronnie. You see how out of place Ronnie feels in the small seaside community as opposed to her home in New York. Her feelings for the abandoned puppies demonstrate the warmth that was eluded by her mother, which was remained hidden up till now. In more typical fashion, Ronnie's initial reaction to both of the boys playing the volleyball and the girl cheering from them demonstrates Ronnie's judgment tendency. In contrast to her tendency to be judgmental, it is important to note that Ronnie does not drink or do drugs, even though she has the opportunity to do so. This assurance this insistent to another glimpse of what the complex personality of the protagonist, one whose outer persona is actually quite different from the person within. Although the reference to Finding Nemo may appear merely an allusion to popular culture, the story of Nemo the fish feels abandoned and misunderstood by his father, and is repairing their a straightened parent-child relationship, such as the one who between Ronnie and her father. This chapter also introduces Marcus, the villain, the story's villain. Marcus' presence also drives the conflict of the plot as well as being important for character and thematic development. Okay, chapter four. Chapter 4 is a little bit shorter, but that's okay. So, later in the evening, after the pot, the show on the pyre, Marcus is thinking about how girls tend to follow him. He considers girls to be predictable and stupid. The only reason Marcus is keeping Blaze around is because he's good and because she's good in bed. He sends her out for fries and then makes a move towards Ronnie. He offers to go to Florida, Florida with her. Marcus wants to see how far she can he can push Ronnie for all that, how he treats people. Blaze does his bidding to or Stoops, Teddy and Lawrence are either unwilling to or unable to think for themselves. And Marcus is clearly running the show while taking care of himself. This short chapter is told from Marcus's point of view. His initial comments reveal the type of character he is. Or arrogant, sexist, manipulative intent on demeaning others. Marcus's burning of classmate Bo is significant, not only because it demonstrates what type of person he is, because it also also foreshadows future events. Okay, so chapter five. Chapter five opens with Will thinking about the weight of a secret he's carrying. His friend Scott apparently started a fire that destroyed the church and blazed his Marcus, Teddy, and Lawrence witnessed the accident. After bumping into Ronnie, Will cannot get her off his mind and wants, and wants to be alone, so he leaves his friends after his match. 
Ashley, his ex-girlfriend, tracks him down. Ashley makes it clear that the two of them, along with Scott and Cassie, could have a good time at her house because her parents are not home. Will pretends that he's tired and declines the office or offer. Then Will and his friends stop for something to eat. They run into Marcus and his friends. Marcus taunts Scott using the word bottle rocket to get to him, which is um, what he used to supposedly burn down the church. They start a fire, but Ronnie breaks up the ruckus because a young boy who was knocked down over, or knocked over during the commotion after the acceleration. Marcus's gang splits up for splits for Bowers Point as Ronnie's father approaches. Ronnie has no desire to leave with her father and follows the gang. Offer or Officer Petey, who knows Steve, confirms that Marcus is bad news. Will tells Steve and Officer Petey that Ronnie went to Bowers Point. Will's friend don't understand why he offers that information, and Will isn't quite so sure himself. Okay, so the chapter five analyze. So this chapter sets up the characters' relationships as well as a conflict of the major plot points. It also builds up the reader's suspense through the com- the repetition of general mentions of that night. Six months ago, this chapter was told from Will's perspective and immediately follows Marcus Marcus's chapter, which highlights the differences between the two male characters. Unlike Ronnie's initial character, Will is not as shallow as Ashley, and he does not want to hurt her unnecessarily Clearly, Will's nothing like Marcus. Scott has been Will's best friend since kindergarten, but Will also refers to a more important reason for owning for owing Scott without revealing that what the reason is. Readers now know the broadly of two events: the fire and Will's reason for keeping Scott's secret. Scott twist quadri movie references a double um and Tendress. Specifically, he makes sexually suggestive comments out of movie titles. Then, talking about the desire to hook up with Cassie, provided Will agrees to hook up with Ashley. He mentioned her desire for desire and romancing and the stone to free Willie. Scott's character appears between Marcus's misogyny and Will's altruism. He is a hormonal teenage boy. So the next chapter is six. So Ronnie's angry because he, because she had the cops called on her. Storming into the house, Ronnie confronts her father, who unsuc- unsuccessfully tries to redirect the conversations toward the topic of Marcus. Looking for a response, Ronnie hurls a photograph across the room. Steve responds by sending his daughter to her room. As she storms down the hallway, he calls after her, wishing her good night and telling her that he loves her. To make matters worse for Ronnie, she has to share a room for Jonah with Joan, even though, even as she barks at it, ignores and ignores her brother, which basically means like, like throws a fit about it. So Ronnie notices that he clutches his teddy bear ner- a nervous habit he has, which softens her. Ronnie is annoyed that she is awakened by the sun at 8 a.m. after she fights with Steve, and he learns that she is a vegetarian. Ronnie leaves to explore the town and is unimpressed with what she finds. 
She runs into Blaze, who informs Ronnie that she spent the night on the beach at Bower Point and has not eaten since the morning before. So, the Ronnie's anger systems for the embarrassment. When angry, she tosses the word hate around very easily. Ronnie is looking for a reaction from her father. When she gets silent, she sees her father as a as weak. The softer side of Ronnie shows towards Jonah's only lasts so long because the next morning she is her typical violet self yelling at her father and brother although she take she talks about being old enough to make her own decisions she is seemingly incapable of having a calm rational adult conversation ronnie assumes steve's piano playing is is a 10 is initially directed at her. This example is another instance of her self-centeredness. The scene is yet another indication of Ronnie's impetuations and immaturity. Chapter 7. At work the next morning, Scott attempts to clarify the difference between Will's hookup and getting back together with Ashley. As they change the oil in the customer's car, Will's father's oil at the break shop, Will cautionally mentions Ronnie, who Scott immediately dismisses. During the day, Will thoughts keep returning to Ronnie as and the tender side that she exhibited at the, during the fight, protecting the young child. It seemed to him that she's everything that Ashley is not. The first part of this chapter concludes to develop Scott and Will's characters and relationship. Scott's reference to when Harry met Sally was is indicated to illustrate his opinion for the men and women can have primary physical relationship, yet the reference seems to be supporting Will's point of view that Ashley does not want to get back to or does want to get back together, sorry. Henry and Sally eventually get married. Will does not put uh Ronnie in the box and assumes that she does not judge people quicker e- quickly either. But she is but he is incorrect. For um acknowledged to him. She already labeled him. This chapter shows the seeds for a blossoming romance between seemingly polar opposites. So Chapter 8, so the narrative returns to Ron, Ronnie and Blaze, who are headed towards the diner to get Blaze something to eat. Ronnie admits herself at Wrightsville, may have some small t- town in charm. At, di- at the diner, Blaze asks about Marcus and tells Ronnie that she used to dislike Marcus until a couple of years ago when she was there for her. She also tells Ronnie when she responded to her old gymnastic coach was whatever. He said that I was teenage code for F you. Ronnie and Blaze then talk about the worst things they've ever done. Blaze admits for using Roundup to destroy a neighbor's lady flower bed, which Roundup is like weed killer. So Ronnie initially admits not talking to her dad for three years, but Blaze dismisses that so ronnie admits to shoplifting just as ronnie steers the conversation to why blaze did not go home last night marcus teddy and larence arrive the boys end up eating most of blaze's food but blaze does not say anything or do anything about it 
Ronnie sees that Blaze allows Marcus to treat her like dirt. Seeing parallels between Marcus or Blaze and her friend Kayla back at home, Ronnie and the reader learn that Teddy and Lawrence are brothers who work at the motel and their parents own the same motel where Marcus lives. Marcus invites Ronnie to a party that night when he does not answer him. He gets up and leaves the diner. This September, bring out those biscuits, roll out the red velvet, and pop the kettle on. Because the world's biggest coffee morning will be swinging into action for Macmillan. Do something wonderfully simple and host your own at work or home. As the money you raise means Macmillan can be right there for people living with cancer. Sign up today for your free kit by searching Macmillan Coffee Morning. There is one thing in life that will never change. Hi. That you can learn all you need to know about a person. By what they hold close. How they treat others. And how they do their job. Ronnie's wanting to give up vegetarian is an indicative of her attempts to find peace in the world, trying to establish what her beliefs are and why. Blaze, who profoundly mentioned that her stepdad encouraged her to explore college, now shares found memories of visiting the diner with her biological father. These details demonstrate what Blaze is choosing to ignore the positive role models and influence in her life paralleling the development of Ronnie's characters. Blaze Gymnastics coach had an interesting word take, whatever. He seems to have taken the word as so, so, or solemnly as a demolitive comment that has extravagated a meaning that is much harsher. Now, his adolescence understanding that meaning of Blaze associates with the word whatever. A significant development occurs as Ronnie and Blaze elect to share ideas. Ronnie's revelation that she was twice caught shoplifting enables a jealousy Blaze to strike back at her new friend. Marcus demonstrates that he is rude, inconsiderate, self-centered, and egocent. In his word, in his world, everything is all about Marcus all the time. Chapter 9. So Steve and Jonah have a nice uneventful first day together. Steve teaches his son how to cut grass. They have lunch together and search for seashells. As soon as it gets dark, Steve is going to take Jonah to the beach to watch spider crabs. Jonah notices a picture of Steve's parent who had died and comments that Steve looks just like his father. Jonah asks Steve if he misses his father. Later that night, Steve is tucking Jonah into bed. Jonah asks Steve what type of dad his father was. Steve answers that he was complicated. Steve then remembers being at his father's hospital bed. 
six years earlier. Steve attempts to connect with his father by communicating honestly and openly, but his father dismisses his words as womanly. When he's talking to Kim on the phone later that evening, Steve lies to her, telling her that her father, that his father said he loved him. She loved him. Or sorry, telling her that his father said he loved him. The narrator then recounts Steve's youth. Steve is only a child and a mother who grew a garden in the front yard and a father who worked as a trim carpenter could fix anything. Steve's father had one passion in life, playing poker, but that wasn't really something he shared with his son. One time when Steve was visiting home from New York, he went to Elks with his father. Though his father knew he didn't think the evening would be fun, Steve's mother died unexpectedly and in the hospital. Steve's father spoke very metal of matter of facity about his own impending death. Steve's father accuses Steve of not wanting to make decisions see what he sees a primary shortcoming in his son's life. The narrator turns to the present with Steve wanting for Ronnie to come home. Steve thinks about the marriage counseling session he and Kim attended, but soon realizes that he wasn't seen, he hasn't seen Ronnie in 16 hours and is concerned for her well-being. He enjoyed a day with Jonah and longs to spend time with his daughter, too. The chapter closes with Steve alone in the, at the piano, feeling exactly as he felt in the office of the marriage counselor. Empty. This chapter connects to the past and the present as readers learn about Steve's life. Two narrative threads interwine as Steve waits for Ronnie while remembering the rocky relationship he had with his own father. In this chapter, readers learn more about Steve as a musician, a husband, a son, and a father than either of his children know. This chapter develops Steve's character, and it also builds suspense. Although readers learn much about Steve, some unanswered questions still exist. For example, it creates suspense when the counselor tells Steve, we all know what happened and why you're here. Although the readers don't know, it seems that Steve had an affair, but no details were given. Thus, the narrator is se- er, simultaneously providing answers while raising new questions. The image of Steve alone at the end of the chapter shows that Steve sought solace through his music, but that he still feels alone. Steve knows that music itself isn't enough. He acquires that that his time with Jonah is a treasure and that his time or that this is what he wants with his daughter, too. Though the opportunity is seemingly slipping away. Okay, guys. So, this is the last chapter for today. Okay? So, till we go to the next episode. And we'll be talking about chapters are 11 through 20. So, chapter 10, summary. At the Bower Point that evening, Ronnie was unimpressed when the gang begins to drink alcohol. She begins to think about her day with Blaze, exploring the town and going back to Blaze's house to watch the breakfast club. Ronnie noticed that uh, Blaze's mom left a note and some money. 
Marcus interrupts Ronnie's thought, taunting her for not drinking, and then asks her to take a walk on the beach with him. She refuses and walks away. Ronnie heads to her father's. When he gets there, Steve's playing the piano. Although it's 2 a.m., he offers her food instead of yelling at her or lecturing her. The next morning, Steve is playing the piano again, and Ronnie is convinced that he is an untiller your motive. Perhaps to forge a bond with her or convince her to start playing again. She yells at him that she can't even stand the side of the piano. Steve is convinced by her outburst and tells her the piano is makes him feel better. But Ronnie storms out. Two hours later, she finds Blaze at the record store. Blaze accuses her of asking Marcus to take a walk on the take a walk and attempting to kiss him and refuses to listen to Ronnie's denials. As Ronnie follows Blaze out of the store, the alarm sounds. Her black bag is searched and the merchandise that Blaze had been looking at appears in Ronnie's tote bag. Blaze set Ronnie up. The Breakfast Club, or Club is an excellent example of how effective illusions can be. On the surface, this detail of how Ronnie and Blaze spent their afternoon is unimportant. The plot of the film, however, foreshadows the development of Ronnie's relationship with Blaze and Ronnie's own growth throughout the novel. It is about five teenagers who seemingly don't have anything in common, but who, after spending a day in detention together, gain an understanding of one another and themselves and learning what they do not have in common to or to come form labels that they've been given by others. Steve's response to his daughter's 2 a.m. arrival is not what Ronnie expects. Ronnie doesn't know her father as well as she thinks she does. The next morning when Steve tries to walk to talk to Ronnie about how she spent the previous day, Ronnie refuses to or listen to him. Her anger and self-centeredness prevents her or from realizing that Steve is being honest when he tells Ronnie that Ronnie has reason for playing. In this chapter, look out for a few important thematic top or theorematic topics. Strained relationships, the sharing of information, insecurity, jealousy, attacking out of frustration, and revenge. Uh, Blaze's character is also developed in this character. Blaze is jealous of the attention Marcus is showing Ronnie and readily believes his lies. The latest shoplifting incident demonstrates that Ronnie might have been telling the truth about her most recent arrest for shoplifting. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, guys, so that is enough for today's podcast. I know it's about um, 40, no, it's like 33, 34-ish minutes, but that's okay. Let's hope that next time it's not longer. Thank you, and um, make sure to keep tuned. Bye.